during the altar call and, well, throughout the service. But one thing that I saw that, that astounded me was, you know, nobody left. Right. Nobody from the crusade left. Uh, no tents over their heads. They were all out in the open. We're the only ones that were sheltered. Um, and, of course, the stage. But um, nobody left. Their passion to hear that word, <clears throat> to hear the music was was what caught me because most of the times, and I, I myself here, I probably would have just got up out of the tent and went home and get starting to get rained on. I, I wouldn't want to get my shoes wet. I wouldn't want to get my, my clothes wet. I wouldn't want to get my hair wet and mess up my hair. And um, Yeah, laugh at that. I like my hair. But, uh, but uh, we would. I mean, as... Because I mean, I, I myself preaching myself, um, we we get spoiled with with the way we live here. With our we have our buildings, we have our AC, we have our our furnace in the winter time. Right. We have our sound systems that work most of the time. Um, the screens, the media, we get to reach out uh, in so many different aspects and areas. Um. But these people, when we when we prayed for them the first night um, at the at the altar, Carl, it just it just poured down the rain. I mean, it it wasn't just like a little sprinkle. It was it poured the rain, and what what was amazing to me was the response to that altar call. I think we had the most response that night when it rained, when we didn't want it to rain. We had the most response that night of of people getting uh, receiving salvation, receiving healings, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and. Um, I couldn't sit back and watch it. I had to jump in, and I mean, we were we were soaked from head to head to toe. Um, and while we were praying for these people, it just that that right there was one of the highlights of my trip, and that caused me to want to come back with more passion um, to see these people dancing in the rain, to see them worshiping in the rain. How much easier is it for us? In a building like this, uh, where it's a free atmosphere, of course, these people—they don't have a free atmosphere over there. I mean, it's not like—it's—I mean, there's there's gunshots, there's gangs, there's the drug cartel running around. Uh, there's people that don't want Christianity in that place. Right. And here we just have a freedom in our worship, but it seemed like there was so much more freedom. In, the, in that worship, and, and that's what that's what called was one of my highlights of this trip. What's neat about that is their creativity. They can take nothing and make something out of it. They is, uh, you know, we struggle sometimes. Uh, media team here does an awesome job, but we struggle sometimes to get the the stream out and get online going and all of that stuff. And and they're running around with a little old goofy hand camera and. Got that thing going all around the world and uh, wired up there and it's raining. And I don't know how they did all that without getting shocked, but it was interesting. And, uh, but they're very creative and, and uh, they don't let anything stop them or hinder them. And uh, that, was, that was awesome to see. Brother Bo? You know, definitely uh, God opened the floodgates of heaven on the first night of the crusade. Um, but talking about the, uh, the, the atmosphere and the, the freedoms there, uh, San Pedro Sula, where we were staying, was uh, 
voted the most dangerous city in the world in, I think it was 2012, 2011, two years in a row. So it's a very dangerous city. I mean, and that's, that's the poverty level. It's just so bad that, you know, people do what they have to to survive. And it's easy for um, drug cartel to lure these young men and young women into situations that are uh, obviously detrimental to their lives. And we returned back to the San Pedro Sula prison uh, this year. We didn't have any photos of it this year. The man that uh, took the pictures had forgotten his camera. We're not allowed to take anything in with us. And I worked in a prison for six and a half years, and I can tell you, I can sit up here all night and try to explain to you what this prison is like. There is absolutely no way you're ever going to run into anything in this country that's like the prison in San Pedro Sula. I mean, it's, the guards don't go in to the prison at San Pedro Sula. They let us in, and they lock the door behind us. And we go to church. And man, can they have some they church. They smile, too, when they say good luck. They do. Yeah. And, they, <laughs> and they do take your ID before you go. <laughs> Identification purposes. <laughs> but... Uh, we, we were on a strict uh, deadline. They said we had to be out of there by 6 o'clock. Absolutely no way we could stay any later than 6 o'clock when we went in there. And you go into this place, and not only have these people been subjected to extreme poverty and violence uh, their entire life, but in Honduras you can be locked up just under suspicion. And I don't mean they take you to the regional jail and throw you in there until you get a lawyer and clear things up, they throw you in prison until the judge decides to come around and hear you. And in this large prison with all these people, he may come in every three to six months with a docket of 50 people. He gets to 35 people and decides he wants to leave, he just leaves. And you're just sitting there waiting. Well, Pastor Carlos was in that prison for 12 years for things he did not do. They just locked him up. Right. But to see, and, and he, he goes back and he, he has this ministry in there, and I think he said it started with like 40 people, with four people. It has now grown to over 500 people through discipleship in that prison. That is awesome. Yeah. This, this man could have let this thing just devour him. Right. But to see what it, see the man that has come out of that, and he goes to all the other prisons, but just to see what's going on in that one prison. And when they come in, and they start their praise and worship. These guys have had all their freedoms taken. They didn't have anything when they came in there to begin with, but then what they do have now is gone. And there's no guards in there to take up for them, protect them. They're just in there. My man, when they come to church and they praise and they worship, my goodness, it, it's, it's, it's off the hook. I mean, it, it just, nothing stops them. And when 6 o'clock came around and we had to leave, they had just got started. They went, I don't think, Pastor, what time did you actually get up? About 8 o'clock. Yeah, it's, they will wear you out in there. Because they know the one thing they have is God. And they can't take that away from them. And it's just so awesome to, to see that passion, as, as Nate was talking about. And then, you know, and again, you know, I'm like, Nate, I'm, I'm preaching myself here too. You, we have such beautiful homes and... and and our car gets a little banged up, something, we can get it fixed, we can go get a new one, uh, you know, we can turn the heat up, turn the AC up, whatever we need. We come to this, be- we have been blessed with a beautiful building here at the Tabernacle. Right. And to see the freedom that these guys have in this prison, 
that nothing is going to keep them from praising God. And they dance and they dance and they just sing and to the top of the... And they run around the sanctuary with the flags. It, it, it's just awesome to see that. And you, you stand back and you look at yourself and like, why? Why, why am I, I not like that? Why are we not yeah. like that? And it's just one of the, the things that really stuck with me. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Miss Kathy? I think the, the thing that really uh, stood out for me, they always say that you'll have kind of a defining moment or something that will really stick out with you in the mission field. And last year when we went to Honduras, uh, we went to a small community, and the people just kept coming and coming and coming, and we finally ran out of supplies, and we started having to turn people away. Well, the last family that they allowed to come through, there were two little girls in that family And they were filthy dirty. I mean, their hair was so matted, you couldn't have put a comb through it. And their clothes were filthy dirty, and they just wanted a pair of of shoes or dollar pair flip-flops, and I didn't even have that. I mean, I had absolutely nothing to give them. We were totally out. Um, The only thing I did have, there were a couple of dresses that were twice their size, and I gave those to the mother, hoping she could sew them down or do something with them. Um, But the little girls, you know, walked away. And I just remember standing there at that moment thinking, God, don't let this happen to me again. You know, because I just, I can't do this. I said, the next time we come, we have to have enough supplies. So we came back and I talked to Pastor Brian and and, uh, we made some arrangements with the ladies who were sewing the dresses that we take on the mission field. And we had some donations come in. So this year when we went back, well, actually throughout the year, I kept praying um, to God. And I said, God, please send somebody to help those little girls. You know, when we're not there, send somebody to come across their path and help them. So when we went back this year, we went back to that same community, and here came those two little girls through my line. And it was just such a blessing because, first of all, they were in better shape than they were when we left them last year. Um, They were still dirty, but their hair was clean enough where they had it up in little ponytails, and they had dresses and um, that actually fit them, even though it was dirty. But So that showed me that God was listening to me, and he heard my prayer that sure. even though when I wasn't there, he, was, he answered my prayer and was taking care of them. And when this time, when they came through my line, I had dresses and shoes and combs and hygiene products to hand out to them. I had enough this year. So that was another prayer that was answered um, for those two little girls. But that was just showed me that God supplied more than enough <laughs> to two of the prayers that I had sent out last year. All right. Awesome. Um, why don't we talk more about that, um, just the power of us connecting with these people on an ongoing basis. Bo, um, talk to us about Pastor Carlos's church and the change that you uh, shared with me that you've seen there. Well, I know sometimes people will have a question, you know, what, are you doing any good there? What are you doing there? You know, do you see any difference? And I can, I can honestly say that when we go to Pastor Carlos's church and uh, Pastor Jason Lowe from Beckley is a, a group that we go with, and I, they've been going, I think this is their eighth year, and they've really been vested in helping Pastor Carlos continuing to sow seed in that area. And when you go there, you can see a difference. When you go to that, that church, the people are, are they're getting it. They're buying in. They're... You see their their praise, their worship. You can see it starting to spread throughout the community. They they're clean. They're they they're looking for jobs. You can see where that seed and that investment into those areas are. And when when you can do that, 
then we can, when we get them on their, you know, and it's not all that. We're not doing it. It's when God works through them, you continue to, to, to feed in these areas. But when they get up, they can actually start going out, and they can start ministering. You know, they're, they're actually spreading out and doing things. They, they were a huge help with this crusade. That church was just absolutely huge. And, and then Pastor Carlos, he has other visions that uh, he has in place. It's just amazing what God is doing there. But that's, that's what happens when you sow seed and we can go back to these people and, and we, can, we can get them to where they can start to minister in their own communities. And that just, it's just a great thing to see that happening. Mr. Jordan here, talk about his experience. Well, uh, for you guys that know me, this was my first trip to uh, out of the country on a missions trip. And uh, the moment that really sticks out to me was a uh, moment when we were out doing a uh, brigade that uh, we were distributing food, clothing, food and clothing, I was on the prayer team that would pray for whoever wanted prayer. And uh, there was this girl that looked to be about my age that uh, came up. And uh, you could just, I could just tell that uh, she didn't have Jesus in her heart. She didn't have that peace in her eyes, that uh, love or that joy. And uh, I grabbed one of the translators and uh, I, start, I start trying to speak to her through the translator ask her if she knows Jesus, and she says no. And uh, I was to speak that same night about how Jesus, he, he's different from all, our, from all the other gods, that he's the one that came down and experienced what life was, even though he already created us. He came down in flesh and how he died for us, that he isn't a god of oppression. He's a god that wants to have a relationship with us. And... Even after everything that I tried to tell this girl, she still wouldn't accept God. And uh, that's just one of the moments that really upset me the whole time. That, uh, that It was afterwards that I just had one of those moments with God that I was talking to him. I was just asking him if there was anything I could have done that would have changed the situation. It's just, he reminded me of a verse I read in Ezekiel when I was still here before the trip, that we are the watchmen and that if we don't give the cry, it's on us, the warning that trouble is coming. But if we do give the cry and the warning that trouble is coming and the people don't heed the word, it's on them. Right. So it was in that moment that I actually had peace and realized that this is what just normal Christians are supposed to do, that I just feel bad that it took a, a mission trip for me to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. uh, but one of, another moment that really s- sticks close to my mind that uh, is another brigade that we had that uh, God just really manifested his hand and his work there. There's a woman that had a lump in her throat that uh, you just when I was close to her, I could just feel the faith that she had. Just the faith in God and the complete and total trust that she had a lump. She asked us to pray for it. And uh, we were praying with her and the power of touch and laying hands on people. We were praying in agreement. And uh, God just had me open my eyes and watch 
And every time she would put her hand across the lump, it would go down. So we actually sat there and watched that lump go down, and her throat actually went back to normal. Right. Amen. Uh, There's one more instance, sorry, (laughs) that uh, there's one one more boy that had that same complete and total faith in God that I think, if my memory is correct, he was both deaf and mute, that he couldn't hear or couldn't speak. And uh, it was another moment as we prayed that God told me to watch. And I opened my eyes as we prayed and uh, forget the verse that it's in, but it's like, heavenly dust or gold dust came down on the boy and I opened my eyes I saw him like just gold sparks on him and uh, just it's just one of those moments I knew that he was healed even though I couldn't speak his language I knew that he could speak again I don't I don't remember him saying a word but I know he was healed and I knew he could hear us and that it's just one of those moments you knew that healing to come man just um, manifest God's presence manifest in different ways, and um, it was interesting to watch as um, uh, seeing God's tangible presence manifest on that young man, and his life be changed forever. And so we're thankful for that. Um, Jordan talked about the brigades. Some pictures going on behind us there. Uh, we would uh, the day would start at. Um, about six o'clock in the morning and we would get up and have breakfast and then we would have devotions and prayer and we would begin the day uh, in a strategic city that had been planned ahead of time and we would go into those places um, one of those pictures there uh, everywhere we went had security with us and um they would, we would take medicine. We had three doctors, three or four doctors that was with us. We had nurses. And then uh, we had some just uh, old country folks like us. And, uh, but anyways, we went in there with, with the nurses and the doctors and medicine. We had clothes for the kids. We had food that would feed, feed the family for, was it five days? Okay. And uh, so that was... Rice and beans and lard and what else? Flour. And so we took that uh, to them and everyone that come through during the day, we would pray for them. At the end of the uh, this evening, we'll have a little video that you can see. And during those five days, there were 50 people that give their hearts to Christ um, in those days that we retch out in that manner. Yeah. And uh, so we was able to make an impact uh, there. Uh, one of the communities had a service following our time being there that day. They had a service that night, and uh, the word got back to us there that they are, uh, the church was packed that night, and 24 more people gave the heart to the Lord. Amen. And so, uh, but the, the days were very uh, stressful. Uh, full of, uh, you know, time there, but the people were very cordial. Uh, you know, the kids there were awesome. You know, they, uh, the kids would wait, and some of the, the, those kids were there all day long, and 
didn't cause any disturbance at all. Zero. But they don't tell them over there they came from animals. America is just reaping what we've sown for the last 20 years. We've told them they come from apes, so they act like apes. Uh, you know, that's the truth. And so we can't control them because you can't control an ape. And so if they come from an ape, they think that's natural. You just act crazy. Over there, they, they even though they may not be uh, reached with the gospel, they don't tell them they come from apes, so they act like humans. And they sit there and are very reverent and respectful and peaceful and uh, not hostile at all. And uh, it was just amazing to watch them sit there all day long, just respectful and uh, come through with kindness in their heart for what they were receiving. And, uh, you know, none of them turned, none of them looked at the shoes and said, we don't want that. None of them looked at the clothes and said, that isn't designer. We don't want that. They were joyful for what they received and uh, very appreciative and, uh, so it, it, it was interesting to see, uh, see that. And we, uh, we gave away all of those things, and then our, our heart was not to uh, require anything but to share the gospel with them in a way that, that they would want to receive Christ. And we're thankful for those 50 people that did so. And uh, we believe that in doing that, we're making an impact and a difference in those communities. And uh, so it isn't, we, we aren't giving monies to these things. We're making an investment in lives that are being changed. And so uh, what we sow even in Honduras and what we've sown in Africa and what we've sown in South America is just uh, seed that has been sown. It's investment into the kingdom. And uh, God's going to bring the harvest back not only around uh, the, the nations, but he'll bring it back here at the tabernacle as well. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so it wasn't a time after we got finished with that, we would get home, take us a, a shower, and then uh, off to the crusade. And uh, we had an awesome time there. You know, missions, you never get what you ask for. And uh, you just kind of learn to roll with what you get. Uh, we were... Uh, we, we thought that we were going to a soccer stadium, uh, but we didn't get the soccer stadium, but we got the city uh, square, and the mayor uh, heard that we were coming, wanted us to come. We couldn't get the soccer stadium, but he said, if you come, we'll give you the city square, and it probably really worked out even better because if they wanted to listen to us or not, they had to, and uh, there were several bars right around there, and you know, they don't have any windows or nothing like that on it. And uh, and I don't know where they got all that equipment. I mean, I know we paid for it, but, I mean, it wasn't no radio shack. It was sweet. I wish we had it here. <laughs> <laughs> and it was loud. And uh, so, but, you know, it was, it was awesome because uh, we were able to reach um, thousands of people, even though, as, as Nathaniel said, uh, the rains come down on, on Sunday night, and uh, but people were so hungry for the gospel. Um, I remember one man coming forward, his Pastor Carlos, his friend, he said, I've been 
ministering to him for years, and he has never darkened the doors of the church. And uh, But that night he came forward, got saved. The next night he brought a bunch of his friends with him. They got saved. And, uh, you know, and that was awesome to see that. And uh, so, and then on uh, Tuesday night, the weather was um, better. And uh, just this, that whole area, far as you could see with the buildings and all, there were people. Uh, and I don't, you know, like to evangelistically speak, but I'm going to say we probably had upwards of 3,000 there that night. Um, and uh, God miraculously moved and ministered, and, and we've seen... Uh, People just uh, coming forward and their lives were being changed. And Pastor Carlos told us, you know, uh, he had a team of people that were working the parameters. And and he told us that there were people all over the city streets that were giving their heart to the Lord. And uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, Pastor Carlos is one of the leading pastors in that area. And he told us that 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 night was the greatest move of God that San Manuel had ever experienced. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I'm thankful, I'm humbled that God would even allow us to be a part of something like that um, and just allow us to be a small part is awesome. But I really believe in that city. I be, and, you know, Pastor Carlos is an awesome man. Oh, you know... He was in there right at 13 years. He was in prison for something he didn't even do. But they put him in there. And, uh, you know, I think myself, I'd probably get pretty ticked if they put me in prison and be unjustly, something unjustly imposed upon me. I'm not sure. I'd hope that I'd have the character to come out of it better, but I'm not sure I could, just being honest. Uh, but that man's got so much love, and um, he's so compassionate and so humble. And um, you know, he didn't—he didn't let that hurt him at all. In fact, what like Bo and Kathy said, he—he he said, "Well, I'll just start a church here," and uh, started with four people. And whenever Bo says five to six hundred people, he's not talking about them just coming to the the meeting. That's people that they have discipled, that have went through a discipleship program and have been water baptized and have committed their lives to discipleship uh, and five to six hundred now strong in that church uh, there in, um, in, uh, in church, in that prison. And Bo said he don't know how to describe it. I think I can describe it. It's a, it's a uh, ghetto. <laughs> and... Whenever you walk through that second metal door and they smile at you real big, you know that you've done been had. And uh, they, but there, there is no guards in there, no security. It's like they have their own village in there, and that's what you're walking into—a place that was created for 800 prisoners, and there's 2,900 people in there. And uh, so. And Pastor Carlos was one of those people. They put him in there. Somebody accused him of something. They put him in there. And 13 years later, the judge shows up, says, oh, you didn't do anything. Let him out. And, uh, but his heart is married to that land. He, 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 it's very obvious that he is, he is hurting for the people. He has past compassion for those people. And I'm, I don't believe that anything would ever move him from that place. And... Uh, you know, and that there's greatness on him. 
And so I, with, you know, seeing that and, and seeing what God was doing, it was, uh, he'd done a great job in organizing the crusade, uh, tremendous time at his church. And uh, it's obvious that his church isn't near big enough for the ministry there. Uh, but whenever he went into that prison, his eyes lit up. He had an excitement. He and his wife were, had an excitement uh, because he, he knew where those people were. He's been there. And uh, so one day we had the last day we were there. Uh, I asked him, I, I, you know, I was praying about what the Lord would show me. And the Lord showed me some things about the city. He showed me some things about the nation. And uh, I was praying and asking God what our part would, would to be to partner with Pastor Carlos and moving forward uh, if we were to be a part of that. And so on the last day, we had some free time, and, and I told our interpreter, I said, I would like to speak with Pastor Carlos and set him down. And I said, I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your vision. And he told me, he said, well, he said, I'm going to pastor in San Miguel to the day I die. He said, I'll never quit pastoring. But he said, my vision and my heart is to have a halfway house for prisoners when they come out of prison. He said, because they don't have anything to go to. They don't have the ability to get jobs. They don't have anything. And he begins to share this vision with me in a heart that he said, because he said, I go there and they get saved and their lives are changed. And he said, when they get out. They looked to me as pastor, and he was sharing a story that happened a couple of weeks prior to that, uh, how that a, a man got out of prison. He calls him. He says, you're my pastor. Tell me what to do. Uh, he gave him enough money. He was able to get enough money together to get him a couple nights of hotel room. But then he said, I don't have nowhere to send him to. And he, and he ultimately, a few weeks later, went back to the gangs. And uh, there... Uh, he was killed, and he said, too many of my friends I, I'm burying. I see a lot. His words were, I see them alive today, and I'm burying them tomorrow. And so uh, he, his heart is to, to raise up this halfway house so that these people can come, and they can learn a skill, and they can go back into the area. He's got relationships with some of the um, business owners in San Miguel that have uh, said they would partner with him, helping him to get these people back on their feet. And so he's looking to build a halfway house to help these people get back on their feet once they get out of prison. And so uh, we're praying about that, praying what God would ha have us here at the tabernacle to be a part of that, um, you know, and, and what, what our part is in that. And uh, so I want you to pray with me on it. I want you to pray and ask God what our, what our part is, what we're supposed to do in uh, helping this vision become a reality. All right? And uh, I believe as, as we do that, that God will honor us and we will see the harvest as well. Oh, let me see what else we got. Any, you guys got anything else? I just wanted to uh, elaborate on something else that uh, we talk about the, the worship in the prison. And of course, they have their own praise team in there. The second night of the crusade, they had a different 
they alternated praise teams, and I think just almost everybody in that praise team, they said, was a former uh, convict from the uh, San Pedro Sula prison, and they were absolutely awesome. So it's, it, these guys just don't do this in church as a, you know, a feel-good thing. They're doing this, this continuing as they leave this prison, and it's because of the discipleship and the faithfulness of Pastor Carlos and, and mission teams being able to go in there and, and help out. Yeah, actually, that those folks had been a, a part of the praise team in the prison, and they come out and uh, got back together as they got out, and every one of them was had been incarcerated there. And uh, so it's the, just the power of, of what can be done. Brother Jack uh, here, you know, he's some probably 40 years or so. You've been to the prisons, and, and uh, 42? 32. Okay, I knew it was a long time. And uh, went to prisons all over uh, here in uh, Kentucky and West Virginia. And, uh, you know, it, some people say, well, that's just a lost cause. No, it's not. That's, that's lives. Everybody makes mistakes. That's right. Some people get caught. That's right. Amen. And so, you know, that's somebody's son. It's somebody's daughter. Somebody's spouse. They're not lost causes. They're souls. There's, and, you know, and, and only you know, time will tell. Only God knows. In eternity, we'll know uh, the impact that you know, Pastor Jack has had and, and uh, going to those prisons and what Pastor Carlos has had in Honduras, their lives that are being changed. Uh, but, you know, everybody needs somebody to believe in them. And, um, you know, whenever you can, whenever you have the power of, of somebody to believe in your dream, to believe in your vision, it'll cause you to get up in mornings when you just want to lay in the bed. Amen. Amen. And, uh, so whenever you have somebody else believing with you and dreaming with you, it just gives you that ability to press through those dark days and say, I'm going to see this through, I want to make it happen. And, uh, so, you know, it, that's the awesome thing. Uh, about God is he, he when he gives you vision he don't give it just to you but he he's got somebody else's heart that's drawn toward that as well all right Amen. all right um, guys anything else uh, what he was talking about that uh, you don't that you're not the only one with a vision or a dream that uh, I've recent just to prove his point that uh I've recently had a dream to uh, have a chance to change my school and change the way of thinking and uh, just basically try to turn it around and have it once again as a kingdom for God. I was talking to some of my friends this past week and uh, just a few of them. There's a friend that he's on somewhere else in West Virginia. I'm not quite sure where. I met him at camp and I was talking to him and uh, that... It was that same night that uh, we we weren't close to each other. We had just met that night. That it was that night we decided to have that same dream and actually put it into action. That as soon as we get home and get back going to school, that uh, we were going to go try to change it and turn it once again back to God. So ever since then, we've been trying to uh, have each other's backs and, like he was saying, to uh, help uplift each other and to. Uh, it really helps that uh, when you have someone behind you and help them pick you up when you fall, that uh, it really helps. 
with your faith. Okay. Ms. Shannon, are you able to scroll uh, these uh, pictures? All right. I want to uh, point out just a couple here in a moment as we see these. Um, we'll talk about that. This down right here on the bottom, I guess it would be your left. That's the uh, food that we had uh, made up. Was it, uh, I think, a... 1,500 bags for uh, the week that we gave out. Then um, the, the center one there is one of the pictures from the crusade there at night. Um, this one on the bottom, that's um, Nathaniel and Bo eating the poor people's food. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. In the center here is uh, the brigade. That's what they call it. I'm not sure why. I guess all of them are from the brigade. This is over on our far left top is um, a picture of us praying for a lady. In the middle is the medical team. Uh, on the far right top is um, the people there that are waiting uh, to receive uh, their items. And then the bottom is just bottom is just some pictures of some ladies that are tired. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, these are some pictures of the children, of course. Uh, they're playing with them. They love bubbles over there. All right. That's Bo stealing some for later. This here on the left, that's a pastor of one of the, the churches that we were at. Uh, well, actually, it's him in both pictures. Uh, but um, he is the pastor of this little church. The building, the room is probably maybe 10 by 12. <laughs> and if that, and they have 150 people in there on Sundays. Crazy. <laughs> I hope they got deodorant. Yeah, okay. This is, again, some of the prayer team. Just praying for some folks. Um, this is one of the crusade nights there, ministry time. Uh, this is the food that the children, back in uh, children's vacation Bible school. Uh, remember, the, on the last night, we took up an offering and uh, raised uh, $310, and that's, it bought food, this uh, 100 pounds of uh, beans and 100 pounds of uh, rice, and that big bag of flour, and then that thing that says clover is actually lard, and so uh, that's going to feed a whole orphanage for a little over a month, Okay. This is a line on the left of the people in that little church of that pastor we was praying for. Uh, it has about 150 on Sunday. Uh, this is the line for the people coming to uh, get food and different items. Okay. This is, um, you remember the fellow that I told you was Pastor Carlos's friend. 
this is his friend on the left that he brought that next night. And that's one of them that got saved. And then uh, that's Miss Kathy there handing out some clothes. This is our trustworthy truck that we had to jump every day or push to get started. Uh, but it did carry the load once we got it going. People waiting to uh, receive this um, in the on the sides again is during the brigade. This, the the uh, the uh, one in the center is uh, one of the crusade services. This lady um, on the far right there, she, uh, the Lord gave us a word that night. We spoke it and, and she come forward and God uh, just uh, delivered her from demonic spirits and just filled her full of joy. And uh, she was rejoicing in the Lord, the food here on our left. Those two in the top there are those convicts that got loose. And there was a bounty and we picked them up. All right. This uh, one on the left here is another one of the pastors of a community that we visited uh, there. Uh, this is inside of these. Uh, this is kind of a church and where they live. Uh, so they, they would live in uh, this is kind of the conditions. It's a good condition for them of where they live and also have their church. Right. That was our bus, our transportation there on the far right bottom. And the center is one of the crusade shots, one of the nights. Okay. Is that it? Okay. There was a picture that I missed, uh, but that's all right. Okay. Um, you guys have anything else? I just want to take the time before we uh, get done here to thank everybody on the mission team. Cause, you know, I, can, I can guarantee you that when these guys go on a mission trip and whatever the job is that needs done, somebody from the tab is there. I mean, they, they're always, always busy, no matter what it is, no matter how dirty you're going to have to get no matter what. You can count on somebody here jumping in and doing the job. And yeah. I, they did a great job. Everyone yeah. I did. They did us proud. You'd have been proud of them. Right. Um, we're going to uh, continue to uh, our outreach throughout the year. Um, we have an opportunity uh, to go back to Honduras in next year. One of the uh, places that I visited um, one day I was lazy and uh, stayed back and uh, went and visited another uh, place and they are uh, one of the schools that is a Christian school there and they're wanting us to come back and do a kids crusade and he said if you can come back to do a kids crusade for us we can have between seven and eight hundred kids here every day for you to minister to and so um, we're praying about that as well, see what, what happens there. And then, uh, but we're going to be continuing to do, uh, you know, we have a focus and seems like whenever we get closer to it, we have some focus on that. Um, 
But I want you to know that you can be a part of missions all around the whole year. And you don't to be a part of the mission team, you don't have to go on a mission trip. You can be a part of helping us raise funds. You can be a part of just, um, you know, whatever we do through the year, bake sale, yard sale, whatever it is. That's just as important as somebody going. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And uh, so if we don't have the resources to go, then nobody goes. And so uh, Brother Bo takes care of that, and they meet the second uh, Tuesday of every month, about 630, I believe. Uh, here at the church and so if you want to just be a part of that in some way you can see him and be a part of that uh, small group and just um, be a part of missions all right okay Uh, anything else I was just going to say too um, one of the things that we really run out of there because I'm in help with the clothing distribution is we never have enough toddler clothing and also teen clothing um, they have the same taste um, that the teens here have, but we never have enough of those sizes. So throughout the year, you know, if you'd like to contact me, if you have donation of, you know, infant and toddler clothes and also teen clothing, you know, please let me know because we can get that um, over there and help those families. Okay, great. And, you know, it's the third world country, like you said, whenever we go there, we don't sleep in huts. In fact, let the cat out of the bag. It's the best I ever been in any third world country. It really is. I had a bed to sleep in. It was nice. And uh, but when you leave the outskirts, I told you I stayed behind one day and a little lazy, but uh, went over just two blocks over from where we were staying, and it is an abject poverty that they say that's the worst of the worst. Is just two blocks from where we were staying. So like any uh, third world country, you have areas that are nice and just on the outskirts of that is, is poverty. And uh, so we have a, a nice place to be able to stay, but uh, right there is the harvest before us. And so uh, I was hoping Brother Bo wouldn't tell you about all that, how scary <laughs> and everything <laughs> city was but really you know how many know it don't matter where you go your your life's in jeopardy and uh, it really is and you just got to use wisdom but I never felt never never unsafe you know and all of that but um, you know I want to encourage you to I believe that that uh, everybody ought to be on a part of a mission trip somewhere some way somehow and uh, just be a part of it because it will impact your life and change you forever Amen. Renee and I was uh, on the mission field for two years in St. Louis, and it'll change you there too. Um, but tonight, I just want to, we've got a, a video, right? And before we get that video, I, during our offering time, I want to share this video with you. It'll just have some of the reflections of what we all just uh, talked about, recapping all of that. And so if our ushers could prepare tonight, we're just going to... Um, give i want you to just understand you know we can get up and receive offerings and all of that but want to give you uh from time to time glimpses of why we give and never get caught up on paying bills or getting things to get by but this is the reason we give amen Amen. this is one of the four platforms or the reasons why we give and uh so uh, i've been your pastor now going close to five years 
And I don't think that anybody can ever say that I've uh, imposed upon you or pushed you to give. But because of your faithfulness, we've been able to do a whole lot. And with your continual faithfulness, we'll do a whole lot more. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So let's just pray tonight. Father, I want to first of all thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for enabling us to be able to be a voice in Honduras and God for the many lives that were changed and impacted. We thank you tonight. And God, we thank you for everyone that has already given so that we could do that. And we ask you, God, that you would just continue to bless the harvest, not only there, but here at the tabernacle. And now we ask you, God, that you would uh, begin to guide us and direct us, that you would help us to have clear vision on how you would have us to connect with Pastor Carlos and connect with that uh, ministry there and what we're to do. We ask you that you would just give us clear vision because we know as you give us that clear vision that you will provide because you are, that is provision. And so we need your provision for the vision. And we ask you that you would just continue to lead, guide, and direct us in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and our uttermost parts of the earth. And God, as you are faithful, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. And we give you thanks and praise for this in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. God bless you.